All right. Welcome on into the show. Tune up live show. First time we're ever doing this live on the Tune Up YouTube page. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, fresh off of seeing Minions himself. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Look at this fancy schmance studio on it. I feel like this is the virtual version of us getting moved into like the fancy corner studio at Sirius. I know. Like right? the Howard Stern section you're not allowed <laughs> in, you know? He's got a he's got a little bit more strobe lights happening and stuff like that. But yeah, man. The guy in there, it feels fancy. I know. It feels like I should have worn maybe an ascot. A tux. Yeah, something tuxedo. Some tails, you yeah. know. And as usual, you don't know what's happening under here. No, there's it no could be, It could be calm. It could be a frenzy of activity. <laughs> you don't know. You never know what's going on. Denny, guess what I'm doing today? What are you doing today? You know, I still have been keeping an iPhone 5 alive. Yeah. It's been getting harder and harder. And recently, it doesn't want to take a charge. And I'm about to go to Europe and leave my family. And I'm like, okay, I should probably get something a little better. Any recommendations? Because, because like, I'm going from a five, so it's like the six is going to feel fancy to me, you know? Yeah. Like, like, what do you think I should do? I mean, we're starting off with cell phone recommendations today. We have so many big stories to get on. We got James Conn. <laughs> we got Beyonce. We have Aaron Rodgers tattoo. And you want to ask me about cell phones? I okay. do. I do. This is well, what's going on, you I know? Mean, like, like, this is... I'm the guy with the big buttons that needs help from my young friend here, you know? Well, I mean, you got to get one of the iPhones with all of the cameras so you can get that content while you're on the road. Start That's your it. very own YouTube channel, the Benny Harwood. Bring, make the uh, Insomniac Diaries a vlog. Oh, there you go. You know you're off to the races. What level of iPhone do I need to maintain a, a, an illustrious TikTok channel? Oh, you know, probably... You think? Yeah. I don't even know what number I have, so this is going to get pretty murky. But uh, I'd say <laughs> just walk in there and say, sir, give me the finest iPhone you got. Oh, no. <laughs> and you're going to spend two grand. I can't go Olivia Rodrigo on this, you know? Unless unless Gaslit Anthem records are being secretly put onto iPhones without me knowing it. I can't afford that shit. Oh, uh, <laughs> just wait. The next single will blow it up on TikTok. You can walk in there and buy one of everything. I can't wait for that. But listen, I love you too again. You know why? Sing too. Oh, I love I it. Gonna... I love it. I'm back on the YouTube tip. I'm playing my kids with or without you and stuff and teaching them about, you know, wars in Ireland and shit. It's, it's great. Better soundtrack Sing Two or the Minions movie? Oh, by far, sing to real man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, that Minions movie. I mean, it's fun. It's fun for the kids. But listening to those little fuckers talk for ninety minutes and explosions, you know, it's, it's a little much. There's some other things. I, I wish they were old enough for the Buzz Lightyear movie. I wanted to see that. Well, you know what segment people want to see each and every week when they come into the tune-up, Benny? What's that? They they want to see. As I play with my board here, they want to see this day music history. What do you got? So this one freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. On this day in 2003, a tooth from the mouth of Elvis Presley, once the property of former girlfriend Linda Thompson, goes up for auction on eBay, along with a lock of his hair Mm. and a gold record, it fetches $100,000. 
No, the first thing that just stood out to me in this story is like, this is fucking King Tutankhamen. Like, this is 2003. He didn't die like that long before that. And you're just like auctioning off like hair and body parts. Um, and, and the whole nature of it just felt a little dark and cryptic to me. Like, so, you know, I want to know like how, like, was this tooth like pulled out? Did it fall out? Was it like, Hey, I gave you my tooth, you know, like something cool. But it turns out this, this ex-girlfriend, Linda Thompson, uh, did not like the new film. Denny Mm. said that this idea that, that Elvis, uh, curled up into a ball, after uh, Priscilla was untrue and that he was uh, unfairly depicted in the movie because of it. Wow. You know, maybe she's a a little bit jealous here. She's just like, she wanted to be the girl in like the hotel room in the one scene and she got left out. So she has beef with Baz Luhrmann too. (laughs) I mean, she started as hee haw honey on hee haw. Elvis got them all, you know, he's just (laughs) watching TV one day and he's like, Oh, that girl from hee haw. She's pretty. (laughs) Someone gave me her phone number. He's like, yeah. let me call up the girl from FBI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he was he was Beyonce before Beyonce, right? Oh, I love it. Man, you with the teases, man. We're getting there day by day, day by day. All right, Benny. Well, on this day in 2007, Prince was forced off stage by police halfway through uh, his set at First Ave. Or a, a at First Ave. Come on. Well familiar with. Yeah. Uh, it was during a late night gig. Um problem here and i think this is where the police had some exception he started he went on stage at 245 okay a.m a.m okay and the curfew they they were only allowed to stay open until 3 a.m so he he started he went and uh he did his his thing and then the police were like nah not so fast my friend but this comes after a day where he had three other performances and the first of them was at a department store where he was promoting his cologne. And you know how, when you show up at these, like at these shows and you go and you know, especially these like mall shows and you're supposed to do like one or two songs, Prince true to his word shows up nine song, 45 minutes set to promote his cologne. Prince rock star. Yeah. He, once you get a guitar in his hands, get the music going two songs. He's like, come on, stop that. That, Honestly, though, like this is Prince in Minneapolis, and he probably had the same feeling I have sitting here listening to this story. He'd be able to play whatever the fuck he wants, you know, like like first have this like famous club that all these people in Minneapolis love was made famous by him. You know what I mean? If Prince one time wants to play a show through the night at fucking First Ave, it's not that big of a place. It's not like you're dumping out an arena afterwards, you know? Like, let fucking Prince play, you nuts. This is where I'm like, come on, what are you policing here? You let Prince play till four. No harm, no foul. Like, let's let's go. Come on. Are there any bars in the state of New Jersey or maybe even New York City that you could get into and play 24-7 around the clock? Do you got it like that? <laughs> Do I have the juice? You know what? I I bet there's some place somewhere yeah. with a bartender or owner who is just down, but I don't know where to find this person. I certainly don't know how to ask for it. Like that's the difference between me. Prince just walks into every room under the assumption. Yeah, that this treatment is waiting for him. The way I was raised, I walk into a room under the assumption the absolute opposite treatment's about to happen. That's so, <laughs> <laughs> me and Prince, 
as much maybe that's why I love Prince so much because he has a sensibility or had excuse me a sensibility about the world that I could never possess because he was Prince I, I can't walk around like that that's why I like watching people like him walk around you know Wearing that much purple gives you the confidence to do it. Oh, I think you need to put more purple in that wardrobe. I'd love to try that cologne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet it's pretty good. I want to smell like Prince. Yeah. Aggregate a that. Assless chaps of cologne. <laughs> Get in there. All right, Benny. First headline today. Um, we have some sad news today. James Kahn, the actor, has passed away at the age of 82. Uh, best known for his role as Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. Um also, one of my favorites, he was uh, uh, Brian Piccolo and Brian Song. He picked up an Oscar, an Emmy nom for that. A um, whole bunch of other great ones. Loved Misery, where he's just held captive by Kathy Bates. That's yeah. a fun one as well. Um, and I think a lot of people my age know him, unfortunately, or fortunate for him, but uh, as the dad in Elf and yeah. that whole whole situation there. So Iconic. Uh, We'll we'll run down the IMDb like we always do, but uh, James Kahn, 82, feels gone too soon. Good run. Seemed like he was still doing well. Um, like you, I mean, I know that, you know, the Sonny Corleone, like the Godfather, that's supposed to be, you know, where my head goes for James Kahn, but it's not. It is misery. And and I love that movie. I don't know why I had a fascination with that movie. I read the book. I even got to the point where I would tell people, hey, the book is way gnarlier. You should check it out. Like I was one of those people. But now, like looking back on it, that might be like the finest peak of his acting because literally you're trapped in a house with Kathy Bates, who's no slouch on camera, you know? And it was essentially like a long running like play almost. You could have done that thing on stage. There was all these, you know, open ended conversational uh, pieces in it. And also times in that movie where like everything is done through a facial expression or something like that. I think it might have been the finest uh, time or the finest piece of his work where you could really see the acting chops come out. As far as Elf goes, I remember seeing like the making of Elf, you know, and part of the whole dichotomy of that movie was the fact that like, you know, apparently John Favreau and Will Farrell were like pretty scared of James Caan, like on set, like even though he was like a nice enough guy, he still was like James Caan and freaked him out. And Will Farrell, when he's like, you know, when he said he had to like tickle James Khan and do the scene like that, that it was like truly like disturbing. Like you're about to get your head cut off, you know? Yeah. So he had a real obvious, like just power about his uh, personality and yeah. Great actor will be missed. Yeah. So I kind of break his career down into four parts right here. Okay. So he starts doing the television thing, right? Which is like how most people broke in um but it was super hard to go like go, him going from uh tv to the movies is almost like a producer trying to become on-air talent it just doesn't happen yeah. so um he and then in 1965 he gets the glory guys which is kind of his first chance to get on the silver screen and do some of that so for a while there he's going back and forth between some movie stuff some tv stuff which is which is cool but then Dude, Brian's song happens, right? And then year after that, The Godfather, and we're off to the races. But the thing that I'm interested 
here is so like we talk about him in, in, in the seventies, right? And he, he has a his personal life is crazy in the seventies. I'll yeah, get to that right. in, in, in a little bit. But uh, in seventy four, he does the Gambler, which um, you know. They tried to remake that one with Mark Wahlberg, and Mark Wahlberg is not James Conn. I hate to break no, it to you out there. He's no, not James No, Conn. no, And then He's Godfather. Pierre on the inside, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. And then same year, Godfather Part Two, which is the greatest movie ever made. Um, so that's that. That's the first half. Uh, 70s includes the stint of him living at the Playboy Mansion, where he said Ooh. that if I didn't leave living there, I, I, I wouldn't be well-adjusted for the outside world, and he couldn't wow. live anywhere else. So it's like it's like the opposite of prison, where it's like he's just living in the Playboy Mansion. He's like, man, I, I I've been in the brig too long. What are those conversations like? Where like after like four months, you know, you just comes up to James Con's room. He's like, it's like James, like you know, I know you're having fun here. Like I know you're doing okay, but what's going on you know you can't be wearing my velvet robes like like every day you know those are mine like he had to draw the line at some right. point right i'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to perpetually live at the playboy mansion oh, of course do you think that hef got jealous he's like man this guy is stealing this, this guy's stealing the girls from me i don't get the impression hef yeah. has gotten to his stature in life via jealousy but it doesn't seem to be the way that dude operates. If there was one guy who could make him shake a little bit of his James seventies, James God, <laughs> great body. He must have looked incredible by the pool. Oh, you know those tight little curls in the chest, like, in the grotto, just yeah, <laughs> hanging, in, all glistening and sweaty in the grotto. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure people really didn't mind him being around at the time. Uh, so what are we talking about in the seventies? A lot of drugs, a lot of sex, that kind of stuff. That stuff, yeah, and which which leads to depression and money problems, which makes the '80s very interesting because he has some family situations there. Um, but cocaine's just a hell of a drug. Oh, cocaine, hell of a drug. Um, and then we get to part three of his career, which I, uh -huh. I think is interesting. The '90s, and he gets uh, he has such a small part in Bottle Rocket and getting involved with uh -huh. Wes Anderson, um, and kind of like the launch of like. Uh, indie cinema there and like you know it kind of goes away from the studios to these independent filmmakers which is pretty cool and then the last part that we talked about is is the elf portion but also in like the 2000 he he has elf which kind of overshadows how popular his show las vegas was so oh, yeah um and even as up until like a few years ago james con was in like the podcast game if you can believe it so we're all you know, oh he was always a guy that let, stuck with uh, or went with what was happening and was very up on it. Um, his son, Scott, great actor, great filmmaker in, in, in his, his own right. So, yeah, James Caan, heck of a legacy. Is the podcast like becoming the cliche equivalent of like doing coke in the 70s and 80s? <laughs> like 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 we're going to look back in 20 years and be like, oh, right. They had a podcast. We sure. were high up on it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It, you know, it may be just as fun, but it's way more work than doing coke. <laughs> Listen, we knew it before we started this. White people love hearing themselves. <laughs> Podcasts were the the perfect thing. <laughs> yeah, perfect thing, perfect thing. But uh, James Con, Godfather, Misery, man, it's just like what an unbelievable. Like he could have stopped in 1974, and he would have had a oh. complete legacy. And what are we doing, Denny? 
Did we just go through a whole James Conn segment on a sports program without talking about the program? Yeah. That's oh. a flawed movie, but I love it. It is. Why is it a flawed movie? Because a bunch of people try, almost died after they watched it. <laughs> like bit, like many, bit, many, many, bit. many, many people. A little bit. I remember my mom. T- I was a kid when people were doing that. I was like 13. Yeah. When you're at like the peak of stupidity. And I remember my mom telling me like, oh, yeah, kids are they're lying down in the middle of the highway to try to do the scene from the program. Like, were they fucking stupid? I can't do that. Like, I grew up next to Route 22. <laughs> you couldn't catch my, you wouldn't catch my ass dead on my feet on that fucking highway. <laughs> you yeah. nuts. Um, but great film. Great Come film. on. I haven't seen it in a long oh, time. Don't know how it's holding up yeah. over time. But Kane is able. And <laughs> he was, he played a great fake coach. Yeah. But, uh, Tremendous, tremendously physical actor. That's that's one of the things that you start to see more in the seventies that you didn't see. Um, oh, how do we get this far without mentioning this? The Bronx's own James Con. That's right, out, out here. Um, German up, Jew. Yeah, that's right. Uh, grew up around a lot of sailors. That whole thing. So, uh, and I think when you grow up like that, the toughness never really leaves you. And he saw that on screen. So. You at least you at least know how to act tough. Yeah. Even if you're not, even if you got out of there, you still know how to act like an old dude from the Bronx for sure. I have a lot of experience there with old dudes from the Bronx. All right. But big ups, James Kahn, you will be missed. All right, Benny, next headline today. Oh, man, there's so much good research that I did on, on James Conn at the Playboy Mansion, but that's okay. Other people- <laughs> I mean, don't <laughs> skip the headline. I don't know this stuff. No, man, no, man. All it's right. all good. Let's move on to Beyonce here now, shall we? Sure. Um. So Beyonce has joined exclusive company as she becomes the first woman to ever tally at least 20 top 10 hits sure. as a solo artist and 10 or more top 10s as a member of a group. Uh, overall, she's just the third person to do this, joining the likes of Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. No big thing, right? No big thing. Just out here with McCartney and MJ. But uh, Benny, what do you make of this? I mean, what what do you say about about Queen Bay? You know, I'm not I'm not about to mess with with Beyonce. <laughs> like, uh, she. Here's the thing. Like, I'm looking through the top 20 hits that have charted that are putting her on this list. And of course, for someone like my age and, you know, my love for rock and roll and the fact that I was raised on Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney, of course, just because like I play rock and roll music and I have to suck the dick of the Beatles like everybody. Um, so like, I just know that stuff a lot more and I'm looking through Beyonce's list and I gotta be honest, there's three, four five songs that I like proper. know, And then there's a lot of like, obvious mega hits with with other stars that i also don't really know their music so i gotta say as as a true appreciator of beyonce i don't think i can sit here and say like i understand exactly what she's doing uh or that it's exactly for me but you cannot deny the the epic popularity of beyonce over how many years now 25 destiny's child you know really broke in like the late 90s so if you can survive in this industry at the top of this industry and every two three years put out a song or a number of songs that are 
charting and getting people that interested, that means you're you're two generations deep into the music industry and Beyonce is like just an official cemented queen of the whole thing, you know? Uh unfuckwithable. And yeah. and I'm not gonna mess with her. By the way, shout out to everybody watching us live on YouTube right now. Shout out to Neil right now. Neil, get back to work. The pod will be here later. No, yeah, here. come on, Neil. You got animals to skin. <laughs> I got. I do got it. All right. So let me just to clarify something with Beyonce, though. I'm going to read. Yeah. I'm going to read a verse to you from this last song. Okay? okay. Yeah. Yeah. It says, I'm going to let my hair. Excuse me. I'm going to let down my hair because mm-hmm. I lost my mind. Bay is back and I'm sleeping real good at night. Mm-hmm. The queen's in the front and the dom's in the back. Ain't taking no flicks, but the whole click snapped. It's a whole lot of people in the house trying to smoke with the yak in your mouth. Now, maybe <laughs> that verse is maybe one of the reasons I don't connect, you know, to Beyonce as much as I do you know, like a Wings song or Michael Jackson thriller or something, you know, like, and I just have to wonder, like, how old is Beyonce right now? Are we allowed to say? Was she mid mid 40s? Is she like my yeah, age? Um, yeah, yeah. She's probably like that, right? Like mid to late 40s. Mm-hmm. Like, am I actually supposed to believe Beyonce was sitting in her home and wrote that verse? Oh, wow. Like, that's the one issue it's I have with this. Writing. It's just like, not to say Beyonce can't write great songs. She could probably write really nice, heartfelt, good music. But to write fucking pop songs that like 16-year-old kids can understand and you can still sell them, somebody has to write fucking verses like this for you. You know? And that's, I'm not even saying necessarily that that should be a mark against her. This could also be another nod to her being very wise in this industry like this is what you have to do to connect and you need a little help to talk like a 16 year old you know in your songs <laughs> yeah wow so you're, i i love everything that just happened there because i i, I essentially heard, heard you be like yeah paul mccartney let me roll it the gold standard yak in your mouth get the heck out of here <laughs> I love it. I love the shade. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I tried to do it as diplomatically as possible. I thought, you know, like, but I got, I really, I need to double down on the fact that th- this isn't me like making a person. This is me saying like, I can't understand this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not meant for me. And like, if you're looking to sell pop music to the masses and get lots of streams and whatever has to happen these days like i'm not the one you're after so this is to say like it's probably more of a credit to her understanding of the industry and what's popular than a discredit against her her songwriting abilities or something you know paul mccartney can't he's still alive he can't write this verse either (laughs) though you know, do you remember him, Kanye, and Rihanna teamed up for a song a few years ago? Yeah. And it actually charted for him. I was like, you go, Paul. Yeah. Like, you want to put Paul in a nice suit in a video, throwing a couple <laughs> licks on something. Sure. Like, that's fun, you know? Um, but I don't want to see Paul in a beautiful, bombastic outfit leading a song like this either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like not for him anymore. This oh. is Beyonce's world. But shout out Beyonce. She found a market. She capitalized on it. And, you know, 
really one of the leaders in the like who run the world girls movement. So shout out Beyonce. Ah, I love it. I love it. All right, Benny, one last music headline here. And we're going to go to Florida. Do you want to go to Florida no. right now? No. Okay, well, we're going to no. do it anyway. A new law in Florida. What part, what part of Florida are you making me go to? The whole damn I got to go to the Gulf. <laughs> the, the panhandle. Uh, but a new I got to law... go to Fort Myers. I'm out. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. A new law in Florida went into effect on July 1st that lets police hand out tickets to people that are blasting music from their car if the music is audible from at least 25 feet away. A uh, similar law, law was declared unconstitutional by the Florida Supreme Court in 2012. Benny, there's no way. You know, if you rack your brain in the way that laws can be abused by certain group of people, there's no way this one's going to get abused, right? Well, listen, all you have to do to understand this law is replace uh, the word blasting in your first sentence with black. And then that's like why this law is actually happening. It's the same thing as anything. All it is, like, let me take you behind the curtain as someone who has been trying to evade police for many reasons for a long time. Not anymore. <laughs> but back in the day, okay? And, like, let's say, for instance, this this law, like, uh, the the probable cause search and seizure laws that they had, which essentially gives a police officer the right to pull your car over and make up any number of things that they want to legally be able to search your vehicle. And then you're left with the choice of, do I not let them because this is unlawful? Do I let them because I don't? Uh, I never actually did anything in the first place. And if I went to court, it's their word against mine, and they can say, oh, I opened the window, and, and there was smoke billowing out or something. There's, it doesn't require proof or evidence. It requires the opinion of a single police officer. So now what this does is it allows the cops to literally roll by anyone they fucking want, listening to music or not. If the windows are down, they can pull you over and be like, what did I hear there? That was pretty loud. Let's take a look in your trunk. So to me, that's all fucking bullshit like this is about. I wish, you know, I lived in cities. I know what it's like when someone puts a fucking bass speaker in their trunk, doesn't bother with tops, doesn't bother with mids. All you hear is shaking car parts, mufflers falling off. And like, and it's, it's really obnoxious. It is. I'm not... <laughs> some big fan of uh you know people specifically bothering other people's well-being with their noise um and there is a level to that but if someone's being that specifically bad about it then you call the police on that specific person i hate to see laws on the books like this these all-encompassing laws that now all of a sudden everybody in Florida can get pulled over whenever the fuck they want. And, you know, it's always shocking to me when these states that uh, so abjectly and fiercely talk about their own liberty and rights and are so willing to give so many other rights away to prevent the rights of other people. So 
it's always a fascinating cause and and the soon to be wannabe president for 2024 is behind this fucking bullshit too so that's no big surprise in like one year i'm gonna need a nielsen rating-esque thing what genre of music got people pulled over the most and i guarantee country music is gonna be at the bottom of of this oh yeah oh the boys are just having fun the boys are just having fun Songs about trucks and Miller lights. Hey, it's not church Sunday. We're partying this Thursday night in our denim pants. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see too many of those. Wow, for someone who's never put out a country album, I don't know, Benny, the words are right there. And you got to know the genre. You got to know the genre. (laughs) You got to know the genre. You got to know. Uh, Yeah, but sad stuff here. Uh, Florida continues to be a a question mark, but... um, yeah, this seems this seems like a, a a massive step back. So bullshit. All right, well, Benny, from one thing of bullshit to the other, mm. do you want to talk about it, it? It fits the area we're talking about. College sports—they're changing again. Last week, we saw USC and UCLA announce that they are going to join the Big Ten. Which, oh my God, USC versus Rutgers, <laughs> get away. <laughs> Bring him to the rack, kid. <laughs> Bring him to the rack. They're not ready for the, the rack. Way, it's not the rack anymore. Oh, yeah. What is it now? Jersey Mike's Arena. I love oh, that. Oh I, I love that. I'm sorry. I love it. Oh, um, well, considering my school plays at Pfizer Forum, which is like, I don't, I still don't even know what Pfizer is. It's, it's not the drug company. It's like a, oh, a different company. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, um, this comes after the last few years, we saw Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M all head to the SEC. It's also being reported that UNC and Clemson um, are looking to join the SEC as well. Benny, the groundswell is upon us here in yeah. college sports. Um, what do you make of it? Seemingly like there's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten and everybody else can just go kick rocks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess this is the inevitability of what we were kind of asking for in the first place, right? Like you want there to be a division of pro sports. To me, this is essentially about football because it's the only one where the top talent can't transfer over immediately, hmm. you know? Um and and we wanted people to get paid. We wanted 18-year-olds to be able to set the course for their life a little bit, decide where they want to play, who they want to play for, how long they want to do it. I still believe in this. And I think what we're seeing is the culmination of kind of what a lot of people like you and me were sort of asking for. Like, you want to take away the umbrella from these teams and from this capitalism swoops in that's what happens we live in fucking america so the only thing that this changes a little to me is like do i now treat the sec and the big 10 as professional leagues and do i stop you know or and do i give the the professional scrutiny i do to to professional athletes to these kids and spare, you know, uh, giving a pass to the real student athletes who play in the other leagues and who aren't, um, you know, taking part in this. Like, like that's the only thing that I question moving forward is like, how does the consumer now view these leagues and view these kids in this league, you know? Mm. I mean, I think they're going to view it the same that they always have because – it's like a licensing agreement, essentially, which I it's like 
as long as your school that you go to and you think that there's some sort of connection to, right? As long as that team has the colors and and the school name on that that you're representing as well, you're going to be into it. That's why it doesn't really matter if it's like, you know, like the NCAA or something else. I've said this to you on on text a bunch of time. I think the way forward for college basketball is to essentially become like the U23 for the NBA. So there's like the G League, which is like everybody that's like outside of college age. And then you set forth like the 18 to, to 23 area where these kids from all over the world can come play. You attach and you start because, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this because I know the Big East the best, but you start with like schools like that, like like St. John's would be the Knicks, Villanova would be the Sixers, Marquette would be the Bucks. So like you bring in, in these kids, uh, the teams pay their salary so you they can still be student athletes. They work on their degree at, at your place. That should be the model for all of these leagues going forward. So like, you know, you take like Notre Dame could rep like the Chicago Bears or, or the Colts or something like that. USC could be... Uh, the Rams and UCLA could be the Chargers. Right. And you kind of work it as like these pro football teams use it as developmental league and they pay the salary. You provide the education and everybody wins. Well, let me ask you this though. Okay. This is, and this is where I think I put it in the context of football way more than basketball Yeah, is like going into next year's draft, right? The one, two in next year's draft are already predetermined. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, Big Vic in France and Scoot Henderson. Yeah. These are two guys that, as a basketball fan, I've known about for years and have been playing on a professional level for years. Like, you know, Victor over in Europe because he's, you know, had the professional track there. And then Scoot Henderson signed with G League Ignite when he was 16. Mm-hmm foregoing college and deciding to do two years being a professional before he's almost certainly going to be the number two pick in the draft next year. So that's where basketball, because of its international popularity and because of what the NBA has already set forth for years and making the, and we saw it happen. Like the G league increased rapidly right around the time this NIL thing started getting real. Like the NBA was responding to it immediately being like this idea of an, a youth pro league that we have that's functional. Like the minor league systems is even more important now because they saw it coming. And as usual, football stuck with kind of their archaic systems and are going to be left behind. And what you're going to get is these two enormous power conferences with all the TV deals and they're going to hold all the cards like the NCAA. What the fuck are they going to say to them at this point? Like they don't need a governing body. They're probably going to make their own governing body and, and maybe leave the NCAA eventually. So football just, I don't know, made a mistake. And now we're getting two more kind of like professional side leagues basically before you want to go to the NFL. It's super interesting. I think the contract for the college football playoff ends in like 2025, 2026. So it's like after that, it's going to be the Wild West where it's like because these schools are building such a power contingent and those commissioners, like the heads of power in each of the leagues are going to be so powerful. If they just come together, they kick Mark Emmert out, out of the way. Because I truly think, and 
the lower level administrators aren't going to admit this, but the people that run these athletic departments, they like the money. They like all of that. And the student athlete cover has been a smokescreen for too long yeah. for them getting new buildings on campus, yeah. getting new everything. So dude, and uh, the people who fund, that's what we like. It's, it's not just the athletic, oh, yeah. it's the people who fund yeah. these departments. Yeah. That is the power in our country is like, Hey, I'm JP Givens and I'm going to give 15 million more dollars for another building at Texas stadium this year. Yeehaw. Yeah. You know, like that's who's fucking calling the shots here is JP Givens and his friends. <laughs> that and to make matters worse, most of these schools, the Ivy Leagues, your like like your Stanford's, they have an endowment that is like like invested and and traded and and everything like that. So these schools have run like Fortune 500 companies for a long right, time, exactly, and just exactly. not giving anybody anything. But they now just, that yeah, the shoe's yeah. on the other foot, yeah. it's crazy. The exposure is here. We know we everybody knew what was going on. Now the curtain got pulled, and now they have to act in the manner in which they actually are. You know, it's so it's like imagine if like a hedge fund had a football team. That's what college football is right now. It's not too far off. Yeah. All right, Benny, let's let's move on from this. And uh, do you want to talk a little Aaron Rodgers? You know, we've done so much talking about Kyrie Irving. That I, we can't believe, I can't believe this episode you got me on right now. You got me on <laughs> fucking Aaron Rodgers and country music and Florida and well, GP Givens. God. We had to go big for YouTube. For the first time out on YouTube, we had to give YouTube what they want. So You know, you know to get me to say controversial things, you got to feed me redneck shit, you know? <laughs> All right, well, let's get to this headline. Benny, people are freaking out. They're, they're just freaking out. Aaron Rodgers has a new tattoo on his arm. I know. I know. Uh, the quarterback from the Green Bay Packers got a tattoo inked on his lower arm. Which How alternative. <laughs> How subversive. Um, Ooh. Uh, which shows a single eye overlooking symbols of astrology. Yeah. An ocean view and two lions. Benny, I am not the resident ink master here. I think people know that, but you are. So I'm going to turn this to you. What does it all mean? <laughs> all right. Let me take you behind the curtain here about tattoos a little bit, especially first tattoos. Is this okay. his first? This is his first tattoo. Wow, he lost his tattoo virginity. So, you know, this happened to me in 1997. So excuse my, you know, uh, lack of of how impressed i am aaron Rodgers, but here's the thing you got to remember about especially your first tattoo is like when you finally make the jump you know it, it's not i wish you could say oh it's just what it means and this like you gotta think it looks cool you know so half the imagery you're seeing on aaron Rodgers' arm right now is shit that him and this tattoo artist thought look cool that's it i've literally seen people get chinese characters on how to order fucking sesame chicken <laughs> as their first tattoos and people walk by and they go oh what does that mean like something about zen something about buddha you know something really interesting no it's how you literally order sesame chicken at a fucking chinese place and my friend would just show, point to his arm <laughs> like the dumbest shit you know so as far as that goes, like, I'm getting real, like, like 18 year old. 
I just got like my half sleeve and I have to wear like a sleeveless shirt to the show. Or I just got, you know, like you ever wonder why uh, guys with chest tattoos love V-neck t-shirts? You know, like there's like a whole overcompensation here that's really kind of funny to watch as an actual alternative person. You know what I mean? Like I've committed my life to being a fucking weirdo and, and hanging out with other subversive and alternative people. So when this fucking jock, you know, jumps into the world and, and wants to be super impressive about it, like that's where I'm like, is was this for you? Does this really mean something to you? Because if it did, you don't blast it out on Instagram so cryptically like one day. I will grace you all with the meaning of my tattoo, you know? And I'm like, again, Aaron Rodgers to me is just coming off like somebody so fucking out of touch with what's actually happening. Like, let me break it to you, buddy. Like the tattoo thing, you know, it got not deep and not that cool, you know, maybe like 20 years ago. Like, you, you know, the guys from Jersey Shore have half sleeves. This isn't an alternative representation anymore. Yeah. You got a Sagittarius. You're a Zodiac. Lions are always about God. You got the all-seeing eye. Yeah, great. You have a tattoo that looks like a fucking dollar bill. Like, it's freshman year existentialism on his arm. And, and this is the last time I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' tattoo. This is such a zeitgeist moment here, Benny, because it's like, you know, you walk down the streets of here in Jersey City, you walk down the streets of, of Brooklyn, and people think that they're so uh, deep because they put a little ink on their arm. And it's like, okay, maybe this is like a, like, I don't think I'm a person that has commitment issues generally, <laughs> but I don't like anything enough to put on my body forever. Man, I, you know. Bucks, Giannis, Marquette, soccer, music, movies. Heck, I don't love Goodfellas enough to put it on my arm. So to so so to think like this lion, the witch in the wardrobe bullshit that he's got going on. Like, because you can take it off in like two years. Watch, hold on, Benny. I've cracked the entire oh, code. Uh oh, that. what's happening here? This is one of those fake ones that's gonna <laughs> wash off in six months. And and, and you're gonna look at it and be like Aaron, like, like, like he's gonna be playing football in like November. Lambo, his sleeve's gonna come up. Yeah. And it's gonna be like, Aaron, I thought you had a tattoo there. And he's gonna right. be like, and then he's gonna drop some Kyrie Irving nonsense. Be yeah. like, the world moves in different ways. Be like, no, dude. Come on. The only way I'm gonna be impressed is if let's say, let's say Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl this year. It's possible. Who knows? They could. And right at the end of the game, final bell goes. Packers, everyone's storming the field. Aaron Rodgers goes like this. <laughs> and portal opens up and homeboy jumps through. Then I'll be like, yo, Aaron Rodgers, what's up? First ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot. Oh, oh man. First ballot human. Put him on Mount Rushmore. I love if it. If he opens up a portal by pressing on his arm, then I'll be impressed. Cool. Yeah. And then he can take Kyrie with him. <laughs> um, all right. Just wrapping up here. Benny, uh, crazy last week in the NBA. Uh, still no movement. You were the first one. I got to give you a lot of credit. You were the first one that said, Nets aren't doing anything. When everybody was too scared to say something, Benny was like, Nets are just going to stay pat. So right. uh, a little status update on, on your end about how, how you're feeling about your Nets one week later. 
I'm feeling pretty smart. I got to be honest, because there was one thing that happened. Like, here was my immediate response to Kevin Durant saying that. First, I was mad. I emailed my ticket rep immediately asking to reduce my package. Because I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Fuck this guy. You know, and then I immediately went pragmatic. And I'm like, okay, what's what's coming back for Kevin Durant? Let's talk. And when I looked out there, once he said Phoenix and Miami, and I'm like, I don't see the package from Miami, I might see the package from Phoenix. It's like the only thing that makes any sense to me when I look around the league. And once that started stalling, once you see the public optics on Kevin Durant get worse, I was like, I don't think so. What are the, the Nets are, they have the power right now. They have the leverage. They have the contract. And... I don't see them. I, I, we were saying it in the offseason because because Sean Marks made the first press conference post playoffs and he was talking about Kyrie Irving in a way where I'm like, oh, OK, these guys are fucking around anymore. Like, I think they're done with this thing and that if the team doesn't operate the way they don't want to operate, then they're not up for it anymore. And then once I saw these deals pan out, I was like, eh. I don't see it. And then once the Gobert trade trickled off and you saw this King's ransom that the fucking uh, Jazz got for Gobert, who, you know, even though younger is obviously not a 30 point game scorer who can ride you through the playoffs. Like, so that became the the bar. And there are literally no teams in the, you know, the, the multiverse here that have the kind of things the Nets need. So it just panned out exactly the way I thought. Man, this is if Kevin Durant is a net on opening day of the NBA season, what another giant blow to the legacy, man. And it's almost funny at this point because it's like sensitivity gets you nowhere. You know, it's good to be sensitive in in your life, in your relationships. It's good to be there, right? Mm-hmm. But man, when you are a athlete that needs to get it, it done, so everything is all messed up for him in, in Oklahoma City, can't get over the humps. He's like, I'm going to buy the narrative. He can never buy the narrative. So he goes there. He gets his titles in Golden State. And then he's like, nah, man, I still don't have the narrative. I want to come back, do my own thing. Well, that doesn't work. And now <laughs> he's like, let me go back and try to get another ring. So yeah. he's just chasing something. It's like, man, could you imagine if he... If they were just stuck together in Oklahoma City, gets a monkey off of his back, then he's unfuckable with for the rest of like like you cannot mess with this guy if he gets that ring sooner. But the way he did it, it's always going to attract criticism. I was trying to think of of, of comps of guys that like uh, you know they won, but they maybe don't get the credit. Mm-hmm. And like like you think of like well like I mean Charles didn't win a ring, right? I don't think Barkley won. A ring. No, he didn't win a ring. Right. Um, so like you go with like a, a, a guy like that, or if like you look like a, a guy who I think won one or two in like Wilt, I think we're gonna look at KD, great player, but I, I think we're gonna view him as like like a Wilt Chamberlain. Prolific offensive scorer, but the rest leaves a lot of questions with you in, in terms of legacies. So yeah, Kevin Durant, interesting legacy play right now. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And, and you know what's the most interesting way he could save it? Like, there is historical precedence for this. And that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons why there is a way out. Like, Kobe Bryant was all but gone from the Lakers at one point. Yeah. 
and then came back and won rings. Like there, there are times when teams and players have come to an absolute standstill, nothing worked out and they figured it out. And I do think there's going to be a point and it might've already came that Kevin Durant's going to look behind him and go like, eh, you know, I'm already here. All my shit's here. I got this cool apartment somewhere. Kyrie Irving just signed. I don't know. Ben Simmons looks kind of jacked in his Instagram. We got this like trio of Joe Harris and Patty Mills and Seth Curry who could potentially EJ Warren. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the actual perimeter threats on mm. this team. Like that's a, a trio of three of the most prolific three point shooters in the NBA that the Nets happen to have. They re-signed Claxton. They went in for Royce O'Neal and trying on TJ Warren. And I think the Nets were smart in not uh, delaying their off season based on this Kevin Durant thing and kind of being like, Hey, we're still building. You still got nowhere to go. Like, you know, just come home. We're all good. So say Kyrie is a net next year. Say KD is a net next year. And he wins a title with the Nets. Is is it like the Dirk Nowitzki situation where it's like all's forgiven for his entire career? Maybe. Yeah. I Honestly, so. you know how that goes. Like, yeah. like all the shit we talk, like it goes away really fast. If love you it. can put a team on your back and go all the way through. Sure. I love it. All right. Well, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune podcast at gmail.com Two P's in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms. It is the tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And Benny, we successfully tried YouTube. We're out here. Uh, subscribe. So, you know, when we're going live, we're going to try to do this. This is going to be how we're going to try to do this just live and in your face. So I'll powder uh, up a little next week. That's right. You can power. get in the conversation. You can talk to us. We want to make this more interactive for you. It's very cool. So go over, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to follow the big man on Twitter, he is at Benny Horowitz. One, I don't he's know. Off Twitter, but he's he's <laughs> off Twitter, but he's on Twitter. But you can still follow him. He's at Benny Horowitz. One, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. You're making it hard. <laughs> I fucked you up. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, you got anything else for the people? That's it. Show some love this week, please. Oh, the show has ended. Gone peace. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.